Welcome back to Defeat the Darkness. This is Vivian L. Miller, and I have with me today C.J. Jones. No surprise, she's been with me for a while now. How are you doing, Cheryl? Amazing. I've had an amazing day today. God is good. Yes, he is, and he is that way all the time. He never changes. Amen. Um, We're going to be talking about vision. It is very important to know, to have a vision for your life. God will fulfill the desires of our heart. But if you don't know what you're, what you're praying for, if you don't know what you're believing for, how do you know when you get it? Awesome question. I have Kenneth Hagen, I've been reading his Faith Food devotional for the last year or so. Mm-hmm. And one of the stories I had forgotten until recently was he people would say to him pray for me brother Hagen pray for me and he'd say well what are you believing for and he said you know what do you what are you believing for he says well nothing in particular well that's what you're going to get right if you if I tell you if you say if I say to you pray for me and I don't give I don't have any direction about what I'm expecting how Mm -hmm. do you know what to agree with that's right and we had talked about this off the podcast last week about you know, when if you are believing for something, you're you're expecting something, you're asking for agreement. I oftentimes don't give people detail until after it's completed, because you can draw their unbelief without meaning to, because maybe their faith isn't where yours is for that mm-hmm. particular thing. But if you give them the scripture you're standing on, they can agree with you that the scripture is true, right? And that eliminates all that doubt and unbelief. Yes. And the enemy can't play games in their in their thinking. Well, you know, that's pretty you know, she I mean, I could have believed for five dollars by Friday, but she needs five thousand. You know, I, I, today's Wednesday. How am I gonna do that? Right. You know, I mean those kind of things. So anyway, um the Lord of course gave me a couple of scriptures and one of them is in Proverbs twenty nine, verse eighteen. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keeps the law, happy is he. The vision, you know, that we, we talked about Hebrews 11.1 1 last week and, and the week before, I think, you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for. That hope, if it's strong enough, begins to produce a vision in your spirit. Right. And, if, and that and faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the faith that brings that hope or that vision in your spirit into reality, into the right. third dimension where we are. So vision is extremely important. But a lot of times, you know, in, in at least in the churches I've been in over the years, when they talk about vision, they're talking about a vision for their ministry. Or a vision for the church. The church wants a new um, prayer center, or they want a new classroom for the kids, or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that, but if if all the vision you ever have is for somebody else's church or somebody else's ministry, and there's nothing wrong with that, you should you should be believing with them. But if that's all you have then how are you ever going to see anything that you're believing God for if you don't know what it looks like in your spirit? Yeah. 
The other scripture he gave me was in Habakkuk. Habakkuk 2.2. Two, two. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that reads it. That word plain, I looked it up in the Hebrew. It's to be sharp or clear. Mm -hmm. And the more clear that vision is, the faster it's going to come to pass. And I don't hear a lot about, a lot about developing your vision. I mean, not in church. I mean, I've heard some of, there's a couple of people in the body of Christ that talk about vision boards. Right. right. And again, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with a vision board, but if the only thing you're basing it on is whatever you tacked on the board and it never grows, then it's never going to come to pass. Everything in the everything in faith is a it's a walk by faith, not a standstill, not a, a stagnant. So your vision has to grow, as it should. If you right. want it to come to pass, it, it has to grow with you, and become more defined and become more. The way I heard it said years ago was your inside has to become bigger than your than what you see on the outside. Mm, I like that. And it takes time to do that. That's not something that typically happens overnight. I mean, God can, you know, he, he can do what he pleases. And if he, it pleases him to have you manifest, you know, have something manifest for you 10 minutes after you pray, praise God. But most things don't happen that way. Right between the amen and the there it is, there's time. And too many people, including myself, because I didn't understand all this years ago, between the amen and the there it is, they know to say to praise the Lord, they know to say thank you, but they don't develop that vision. Right. And, you know, it goes back to what are you believing for? Well, what, do you, what are we praying for? Oh, nothing in particular. Well, that's what you're getting. <laughs> I mean... You know, how does that work? <laughs> so, and the thing of it is, we've talked about meditation before. And, you know, for those who haven't heard of our the podcast all the way along, I'll just quickly go over the fact that when you're meditating the Word of God, what you're doing is applying a specific scripture, whatever, the, whatever you're believing the Lord to do. If it's finance, the scripture shouldn't involve... Um, shouldn't be one that, like the one that says Jesus is saying today, yesterday, and forever, because that's not really applicable to finance. Right. But if you're believing for finance and you have, you know, but my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If you're using that scripture, then it is applicable. So then true meditation should be you speaking out loud to yourself, looking at it, speaking out loud, and then begin to expand on what does that look like in my life? How does that apply to what I'm dealing with right now? Mm -hmm. And let's use the example of someone who's facing foreclosure on their home. Well, if they're using 
Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. How does that, what does that look like? Right. And if they allow the enemy to do this, to, you know, to get in there and they don't focus themselves on that scripture and begin to build the inner image of, of their victory, what the enemy will do is feed them with thoughts of, you know, the sheriff coming and locking their doors and kicking them out. <laughs> I mean, he will. Uh-huh. Because the enemy knows that what, as a man thinks, so is he. It says that in Proverbs. Yeah. So he knows that he's going to have to take that vision from that person and, and supplant it with something that's going to show utter defeat. Over the past two years, how many people have ended up, I don't have the answer to this, this is a rhetorical question, but how many people have ended up losing their job, losing their, their livelihood, their business, their homes, you know, their cars, because of all that's gone on? Right. But if those people understood, A, the power of their words, B, the power of of imagination God gave us the imagination and he didn't give us imagination so that we we could watch porn on on the internet for three hours a day and you know imagine being in in that type of situation he gave us the imagination so that we could begin to build people are supposed to increase and build yeah 2 Corinthians 10 says, and we're familiar with this in one direction, but we're going to look at it from the, another direction. Okay. Um, let me see, where do I want to start here? Uh, chapter 10, let's, 2 Corinthians 10, let's start with... Um, Verse three, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or flesh, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, we've we've talked about this in the past about how the enemy will try to put strongholds in our mind and we have to examine our thoughts. And if it's something that goes against the word of God to cast, it says casting down imaginations in verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Well, if you use the flip-flop method, which we've talked about off and on, mm-hmm. the weapons of our warfare are, are not fleshy, but mighty through God to the building up of a manifestation. <laughs> we can pull down strongholds, but we can also build up our imagination. Remember when Abram was, t- was given the promise? Uh-huh. And what, what did God tell him? Do you remember? No, not right of him. Okay. So go to Genesis. Let's, I think it's in Genesis 12. Let's, let's try Genesis 12. Genesis 12. Because Abram was given a promise that was completely unimaginable. <laughs> Right? I mean, there was no way at his age with his wife who never had children that he was going to have children. Ah, that's true. You're right. 
And so God had to work with him. I, I think it might be a different chapter. What I'm looking for is when he talks about the sand, the multiply, the sand on the ground and the, and the stars in the heavens. Okay. Ah, okay. It's chapter 15. I was, not, I was wrong. It's not 12. It's 15. A little, little off on the address. <laughs> We're on Genesis Road, but the wrong house number. Okay. <laughs> so um, Genesis 15, let's start. Um, so it's, let's start at verse 1. After okay. these things, the word of the Lord came into Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me you have given no seed, and no one, and lo, one born in my, in my house is my heir. One born in my house is my heir. And, verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, you shall not, this shall not be your heir, but he that comes forth out of your own bowels shall be your, your heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your seed be. So he used the stars as what? A point of, point of reference, point of faith. A point of ref- right, a point of reference. Have you ever, have you, do you remember being a child and trying to count the stars? Yeah, <laughs> I do. Because I, I used to do it. Yeah. And, and I think all children do certain things, and that's one of them. Mm-hmm. Were you able, ever able to actually count them and come to a specific number? Oh, no. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Too many. Too many. And on a different night, you would see a different number of stars in a different placement. That's right. Right? Mm-hmm. And he and so he says, and tell the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to them, so shall your seed be. In other words, too numerous for you to count. And in another spot, and I'm looking for that now, the Lord also said to him, um, your your seed will be as numerous as the sand, the grains of sand. Well, can you count grains of sand? No, oh, Lord, no. Okay, so what the Lord did was he gave him a vision by night, the stars, Mm -hmm. and the sand by day. You have to remember, Abram did not have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. He didn't have all that. Right. So he gave him something that he did have. So as he's traveling in in the desert, he's seeing sand everywhere. And he's going back to the words that God gave him. You know, your sea will be like this, as numerous as this. And then at night, when he was getting ready to go to sleep, he looked up at the stars and he could see the stars and the same thing. The Lord said, you know, you've got the stars and your, your sea will be numerous like that. So he gave him a vision by day and a vision by night. And in Abram's time, could he have ever gotten away from the sand and the stars? No. It was always before him. Always. When we're meditating the scripture, 
we're we're putting going back to the what we talked about last week about the quantum phase. Mm-hmm. We're, excuse me. We're putting the vision before our eyes. We're speaking words, the ways into the quantum realm. And we're, we're producing those, those things as we speak. We're producing those things into ex- bringing them into existence. That's right. And in that podcast that I sent you the little clip of, he was talking about putting the, vi- you know, b- building on the vision, using vision. To, to create, not to, uh, someday it's going to be like this, but making it happen, creating it at that moment. Bringing substance, causing those, um, those particles to collapse in a certain direction while you're creating the vision. Isn't that phenomenal? Think about that. It is. So, my throat is itching. So, if go ahead and talk for a minute. Give me your thoughts. <laughs> While I deal with my itchy throat. <laughs> itchy throat. Well, you know, we've, we've talked a great deal. Um over the last, I guess, several, it seems like several months to me about, you know, speaking your vision and speaking the word and, and, you know, planting the seeds because that's what words are. Right. They're and containers. If, and they're, they're containers. Seeds, right. They're seeds and containers both. Right. And to me, when God was speaking to Abram, you know, he was planting those seeds within him. Correct. So, so that Abram would then catch that vision because again, it's about, it's about a vision that we have to have. Right. So he, he was giving those points of reference that we talked about. So Abram would have a vision of what God's promise would look like. And it would never leave him because of the way that God did it. Exactly. So I think that's the same thing that God intends for us to do is we need to keep we need to have a vision before our eyes constantly of what his promise looks like. We can't just sit here. It's like you've been saying, we can't just sit here and say, well, oh Lord, you know, thank you for my promise. This is, this is the scripture I'm standing on. And you know, my f- friends are agreeing with me on it. It's got to be more than just that. It's got to have that substance to it. And that substance is what we are, what, what we see in our vision. It's our vision. It's the, the vision of what we, we expect correct you know correct. and that's what you know that's what we always say about jesus jesus always spoke the end result you know when he, he did. was when he was speaking something it was the end result because that's what he expected so that's what we need to do as well we need to be speaking the end result of what we are expecting god to do and what we are expecting to see manifest in our lives so it's it's very important to have a vision and to let it grow as you. Yeah. And the thing, and not mingle the seed because since words are seed, what most people don't understand is because um, words are seeds, 
Mm-hmm. If I, in one breath, I'm telling you I'm believing, I believe I received blah, 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 whatever it is. Right. But in the next breath, I'm saying, you know, I, I sure hope that happens. <laughs> I've just put weed, I've just, I've yeah. just planted uh, weeds in my, in my harvest. Well, yeah, you, you did that. It's, it's, you know, it's the same thing to me as, as digging up your seed. You just planted it. But then when you just spoke those words of doubt, which you, when you said, you know, oh, I hope this happens, you ju- you kind of just, you kind of just dug it back up. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a matter of mingling that, that seed. You're not, you're not fully, fully persuaded. You know, it talks right. about in Romans um, four that Abram was fully persuaded Right, that what God had promised, He was able to perform, and in chapter seventeen of Genesis, it says, "When Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the Almighty God. Walk with me, or walk before me, and be you perfect.' Perfect doesn't mean as it never did anything wrong. It means to be upright or sincere. Mm-hmm. And I will make my covenant between you and you, you and me." And will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked to him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. Neither shall your name any more be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made you. Is that past tense? Is that future tense? It's present tense. Right. And I will make you exceedingly fruitful and will make nations of you and kings will come out of you. So he changed his name from Abram to Abraham. Right. Now, you're Abr- let's say you're Abram's neighbor. And you've known them for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And they've never had children. Right. It's an old man and an old woman. He's always been Abram, and then one day he's out doing something near your tent, and you hear him say, yeah, my name is Abraham, and you're like, where, where's kids? Where, where, what kids? Because Abraham means the father of many nations. Right. And you're like, did you have children? You have children that I don't know about because I've been I've known you for twenty years. You've never had you and Sarah have never had children. <laughs> Can you imagine how embarrassed if 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 he let you know, the enemy make him embarrassed? How embarrassed he'd be saying I'm the I'm the father of many nations to everyone that he meets. Oh sure, I mean yeah. You can imagine how that would have and an impact they- on him like that. Yeah. Yeah, and in today's world, people, somebody would be calling him liar, liar, pants on fire, you know, because he didn't have any children at that point. Right. He was 90 years old and nine when he started doing, and God changed his name. Mm-hmm. He'd been believing from the time he was 75, and now he's 99, and the Lord told him when he was 75, he was going to make him a father of many nations, but he didn't change his name until then. Talk about having to hold on to your vision. Yeah, that's a long time to have to do that. <laughs> it is a long time to have to have to do that. 
and he obviously believed what God said because it said it was he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Right. And he obviously believed God because in Genesis 22, when he went to sacrifice up on the mountain and took Isaac with him. And um, in Genesis 22, starting in verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said to him, Abraham, behold, here I am. And he said, behold, here I am. And, and he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and get you into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell you of. And Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his, to the, his young men, abide here with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come to you again. And Abram took, Abraham took the, the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son and took the fire in his hand and a knife and they both went up together. And Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, my father. And he, and he said, here, here I, am I, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And so they went both of them together. Did he end up sacrificing Isaac? No, he didn't. I mean, he was obedient to, to lay him to down what? there. Right, he did. I mean, he did lay him down there, but no, he didn't sacrifice him. He but didn't what sacrifice did he, him. But what did he say when, before he went up to the top of the mountain? And be, even before that, he said, abide here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. He had no he had no thought that he was actually going to have to I mean somehow God was going to fix it because Isaac was his only son. Right. And God acknowledged take your only son up to the mountain and go and go sacrifice him. So Abraham fully Abraham fully intended to come back with Isaac. Now how that happened? He wasn't he didn't quibble about that. Right. And then he said God would provide a lamb when Isaac asked him. And in verse 9, and they came to the place which God had told them thereof. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him upon the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven. And said, Abraham, Abraham, he said, here am I. And he said, lay not your hand upon your lad, neither do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son for me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him, a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for the burnt offering in the stead of his son. Did Isaac fight him? 
No. He trusted his dad. Right. Because Isaac was far younger than his father was. He could have overpowered him physically. He could have overpowered him. Uh Uh-huh. But Abraham said, God will provide a lamb. He didn't argue with him. There was faith on both sides. Right. Because Isaac took what Abraham said, took him at his word. And Abraham took God at his word. He did exactly what God said to do. Oh, and this is, and that's what I was looking for. The the verse I was looking for is in this chapter. I just saw it. Verse 17. And that in blessing, I will bless you and I'll make it up. And the 15. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, by myself have I sworn, says the Lord, for because you have done this thing and not withheld your son, your only son, that in blessing I will bless you and in multiplying I will multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So when we are meditating that word, we're doing several things. A, we're thinking like God and putting the answer before our eyes and in our ears. B, we are allowing God's word to change the circumstances because we're speaking that word out loud. And therefore, we are putting waves into the atmosphere, which in turn are causing particles to collapse in a certain direction. C, we are building the vision because as we're meditating that word, we're building the vision, talking about since this word is true, going back to the person who's about ready to lose their house through foreclosure, that means that I, the, the house is paid off. I'm not just out of the foreclosure situation. The house is paid off and it's no longer an issue. Mm-hmm. And I've heard stories, and perhaps you have too, of people that were paying on their mortgage and believing God. Did you? Hear, did I tell you the story about the lady who would call for her balance, her payoff balance on her on her house? No, you never told me that story. Okay, this happened about fifteen years ago now. Um, lady and her husband, they they realized that they need to be out of debt. God started dealing with them to get out of debt, and the only thing they had left was their house. So they started making extra payments towards the principal to bring it down. And they had a pretty good idea where they were. But at, one, at some point, she was impressed to call the bank and find out exactly what the payoff would be to finish off the mortgage. And they thought they owed somewhere around 27000 which isn't much when you consider how much houses are. Right. So she called the bank, and the person did all the verification and put her on hold and left her on hold for a really long time and came back and said, um, we don't have an answer for you right now, but give us a couple of days and we'll call you back. And she thought that was odd because, you know, they should be able to look up the payoff. I used to get calls for payoffs all the time when I worked at the bank. 
She says, okay, all right, call me back. She waits. A week goes by and no one calls. So she calls again. Again, they put her on hold. They leave her on hold for a really long time. And they come back and they said, um, we need to call you back. She said, that's what you said last time. You told me you were going to call me back and I never got a call. That's why I'm calling you again. I just want the payoff. That's all I want. And they said, well, we have to call you back. So another week goes by. Still doesn't get a call. Third time she calls, she says, they, they again put her on hold for a real long time. She says, can I just, I just want the payoff. Can I speak to somebody in charge, you know, like a supervisor or somebody? They said, okay. Because I called twice and all I want is the payoff. And both times you said you were going to call me back. You never did. Okay. Let me get somebody else. Supervisor comes on the phone and <clears throat> he, uh, he or she says, um, you say you have a mortgage with us? She says, yes, I've had a mortgage with you for a lot of years, but I've been paying extra and I just want the payoff. Can I just have the payoff, please? He says, um, you're sure you have a mortgage with us? She says, yes, I have canceled checks. I've been sending you a payment every month. Um, Ma'am, um, we don't know how to tell you this. But we have no record that you have that you owe us any money. <laughs> she says, "Are you willing to put that in writing?" Oh yes, ma'am, we can put that in writing. She said, "Send me send me the paperwork that says that you know I don't owe you any more money." Um, okay, yeah, we can do that. So she gets she gets a letter in the mail saying that the house is free and clear. They don't have any record of any mortgage. And she owes them nothing. Wow. But in her in her calculations, they owed about twenty seven thousand. They just wanted to know exactly how much it was. You can't tell me that that was an, that was just happenstance. Right. They were applying their faith. And how God does it, you know, he's, he's honest. He's not going to, he's not going to counterfeit money or send money down from heaven that's counterfeit. Right. It got taken care of. <laughs> it's not my business to know how he's going to do it. My job is to believe what he said. That's right. And the other issue is, and this is in the natural, in the natural, according to Neuroscientists who study the brain, if you are doing something repetitively every day for 21 days, you, you created a habit. Right. In 60 days, you begin to, you create a new groove in your brain. Right. Your brain actually creates another way of thinking and creates a new, physically, a, another groove in your brain. Right. The scriptures I've been meditating, my personally, I've been meditating for decades. But until 
very recently, I didn't realize how important it was to actually work on the visualization portion of it. To actually see, I mean, I've meditated the word for years, but until very recently, I didn't realize how important it was to spend the time to actually see it. Right. And my vision is getting a lot clearer because even as I'm talking to you about the meditation, I know which scriptures I, I use for. And you only need seven. I had asked the Lord some years ago, they tell you to meditate, but they don't tell you how long for each scripture. And I have four of them. And then I was listening to Dr. Caroline Leaf, who's a neuroscientist. And she said, seven minutes a day for 21 days creates the habit and 60 days it creates the group. Seven minutes. Well, that's only 28 minutes of my time. That's right. And in those 28 minutes, because of how it's worked out for me, that's the time when I'm combing my hair and putting my makeup on. And I usually finish meditating before I get done with all that. And I have the scripture in front of me on the counter while I'm doing it. Wow. You can't tell me that, not you, but a person can't tell me they don't have the time to do that. If it's important enough to you, you make the time. Yes. And we're at a time like no other. And I see, I, we were talking about this before we started, but I see on social media, believers saying, you know, God's in control. If God is in control, he sure is, makes a, a mess of things, doesn't he? <laughs> if he were, you know, it would be If you were story. really in control, right. That would be, I mean, why would you want to follow a God that makes such a mess? And that misunderstanding makes people who don't know God think it when they hear God's in control. And it's from somebody who knows the Lord, but their their life is a mess. Why would you want to follow a God like that? And as I told you, you know, before we started the podcast, I I got tired of seeing God's in control, and finally responded to someone with the scripture in Matthew 28, which I had to look up because I knew I heard it in my spirit, but I didn't know the address of it. Where it says, um, let's see here. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, it was disconnecting on me again. Um, yeah, I'm, it's still timing on me. Well, it's still timing on me, but it kept saying disconnect. So then it, it just came back. Oh, praise God. Yeah. I forgot to pray over it today, so I guess that's <laughs> why. But in Matthew 28, it says, you know, um, all power has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. And I gave it to the, I gave it to the person. I said, we're in charge. We're supposed to. It takes us using our faith. Right. To make it work. So anyway, I think we're going to leave it right here and we're going to talk about this some more, I'm sure, but meditation with visualization, it cannot fail. 
it cannot fail. It's, it was he. God started with with Abram, and it has never stopped. Amen. Yes, yes. Other religions and other beliefs have adopted the things that come from the Bible, but when you you might as well go right to the source and get the results that the, that God intended, and get it from the Bible. That's right. So, well, until next time, be blessed. Walk in faith, walk in confidence before God, walk in victory, and defeat the darkness.